There are very few people, maybe just the five of them, on planet Earth that have gone through what my next guest has gone through over the last decade. Very, very few people on planet Earth that can tell you the stories he can tell you and talk to you about the lessons he's learned. Liam Payne is a miraculous, inspiring, complex, very honest, very vulnerable, very open book. Today, he's going to tell you about things that he probably shouldn't say and topics that he probably shouldn't talk about. But just imagine, imagine being catapulted into stardom at 14 years old and becoming what many consider to be the modern day Beatles. He toured the world with One Direction. They had their ups, their downs, their mental health crises, their scandals, their relationships, and everything in between. You know, if I was 16 years old and you asked me what I wanted to be, if I could you know, dream up my life, I'd probably say professional football player or being in a boy band and traveling the world seems like a life that we'd all give everything to have. But what you're going to hear today is very different and it might just change your mind. It certainly changed mine. So without further ado, I'm Stephen Bartlett and this is the Diary of a CEO. I hope nobody's listening, but if you are, then please keep this to yourself. Liam, crazy, crazy year society mm. all of us have had with this whole lockdown situation. The place I wanted to start is just to ask how it's been for you. It has been interesting. I feel like I got the lockdown, the first depressive part of lockdown, a lot later than everybody else because our work went through the roof. Mm. And basically it was interesting because I had to learn styling, makeup, hair, all these things that I wouldn't usually do when I'm with my team. And I lost everyone because you couldn't have anyone close contact. So I just had me and a camera guy that was staying with me. Mm. So every job was like, I mean, we even had one day where we set up our own green screen and we set the green screen up from 1 p.m. until 10 and then recorded till five o'clock in the morning. So it was like a whole day. Oh so we were gosh. busier than ever. And then we started doing these online shows, which went really great um, with a company called Veeps, mm. which was good. And then I stopped working, which I thought was going to be really good for me because I was tired. And it was actually the worst thing in the world for me. When you say you stopped working, describe your day at that point. Um, I mean, I was just finding myself on the sofa for the whole day, just watching random Netflix. I've seen everything on Netflix. On your own? Uh, no, my partner was there at the time. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was, it was wild. And it was dark because you can't really go anywhere. You don't really know what you're doing. And, 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 and I felt like my career was kind of in a funny place at that point as well. And how I was agreeable with it at that time as well, if that makes sense. Are you the type of person that needs to be kept busy? I think so. I think I've had a crash course this last year in learning to have my own time. Cause I mean, you imagine from, from about the age of 16, 17, we are, we're day sheet every day. So when you don't have a day sheet, it's like, what the hell do I do? And then the other part of it's like, you don't really learn what you enjoy from that point either. So it was that, that was quite difficult in lockdown because you have so much time to yourself. Mm. And then it was like, I saw something the other, the other day about toxic productivity. Did you see yeah, this? Yeah, I've seen this. Obviously they've got a new ism for, yeah, for everything, yeah. but it actually made sense to me. If I'm not doing something that's, that's productive, I feel like I'm going backwards. So yeah. then I'm trying to make, I'm trying to force moves. And I suppose that was one of the things I think I learned most about myself. I don't have to be doing something every day to feel good about myself. Where does that come from? That, do, you, do you think that need to feel like you're moving forward or it feels like backward motion? 
I have no idea. I think I'm just quite driven in that sense. Have you always been like that since before One Direction? You know, I think we we just always worked. Like I started, I was first on TV at 14. So that's young. It was 20, and audience specs, which I think at that point was like 20 million people, wow. which was wild. So I was wow. like 14 years old. So from then on, my life's just been like doing the same thing over and over and over mm. again up until this point. So I don't know, at, at, at times you fall out of love with it. And I think that, that trying to find... You know, and also you're you're not under any impression this isn't going to stop at some point. Like a mm. a, a lifespan for a, a average pop star, I've, been, I've outlived most lifespans with that sort of thing, which has been amazing, mm. really really cool. And I think part of that's probably from starting so young, but you know it's going to end at some point. So you always want to find something else that you're good at to kind of safety cushion you almost. Yeah, like, Unless yeah. this is what investing has been my godsend in that because I started that really young as well and trying to think about how I would do this or how I would do that, asking like you know, like our old managers and, and, and people like that, what they invest in and stuff like that, which kind of makes me feel safer. And does that, that comes from a place like mild paranoia that this 100%. might go someday, right? 100%. It's like doomsday prophes- like prophesizing, oh, you know? Do you worry a lot, generally? Uh, I think I did up until the last few months. I mean, having a lot of time at home, I think a lot of people had this same sort of thing, alcohol. Hmm. We're just really, it was getting earlier and earlier, yes. easier and easier to go to. And for me, uh, I don't know. I, it's, I, I think there's, there's a slight little bit of social anxiety as well in it that, you know, it was already hard sometimes to go out places for the thought that you might like get papped or whatever, mm. you know, there's always that extra level of stress. So for me, I've always been quite withdrawn. So talking about lockdown, so you go through that sort of depressive period. Mm. I think we all went through that. And I think um, for me, what, what I kept thinking about is like, if you just... Um, go with the lockdown. You're like someone like me would just probably like yeah, hang around bed on my yeah. lap, you know, my laptop. What I had to do was like proactively, Steve, get up and do something today. Go put your shoes on, motherfucker. You know what I mean? But then the thing what I found about that was sometimes you ain't Superman and you're gonna have a bad day. And my thing is, if I don't set out what I'm aiming to do that day, mm-hmm. then I become more depressive. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's just like I think that the main thing for me. I mean, I've always called it like a small victories thing. And that's why I love the gym. Because if I've at least been to the gym that day, then I've done something. Mm. But then I started to like branch that out more. That it was call a family member, you know, spend some time with my son, make sure I get FaceTiming. Because it was hard. The first point of it, we couldn't see each other. It was the longest I haven't seen my son in a long time, um, which was difficult. But then it was like, as long as I've done one of those things in the day, then it doesn't matter if I didn't do anything else. Mm. And it's like, what I found more than anything, and this with the alcohol, with other stuff, it's like boundaries. There were no boundaries. So, you know, if you're on Zoom, you can quite easily hide that you might be a little bit tipsy mm. at the point you shouldn't be. Mm. So it was like creating your own boundaries, creating your own routines. And that's where I think everybody struggled the most without routine. And I noticed you had a dog here. Yeah. Which at the moment, that's one of my things. That I think I'm definitely going to get a dog because I need routine. Mm. I need it. So you start, you start, drinking more and more during the lockdown you realize mm-hmm. you get you're aware oh, of- i put on so much weight i was eating badly and kind of describe describing it as a bulking period <laughs> it was a dirty bulk don't worry it's about intentional. it i'm doing it for a movie <laughs> yeah. role it's part it's of the strategy. Good. yeah that's the best new new excuse if anyone asks you to put weight yes yeah, for a role don't miss. <laughs> you, it's coming out you know 2022 um yeah and i put a lot of weight on and what got me i did one performance on tv it was with the baftas actually and i was disappointed myself but like I was always a fairly sporty kid and, mm. and kept moving and like, I didn't look how I wanted to look. You know what I mean? There was anything wrong with that, but just in your own, own self, you know how you feel about it. And obviously they say the camera adds 10 pounds. 
It definitely did. Um, and I saw myself for the first time and I was like, oh my God, like I've completely let myself go in this. And it was fine. I kind of needed it. And actually it's been the best outcome for me because I feel so much more secure in myself now. And I feel like I know where I'm at again, which is good. Have you struggled to maintain consistency with the gym? I know I have. If you look at I the last did, five years. I did. I mean, training partners is the best one for that, you know, and, and each of you putting a session together and throwing in different moves because then you're doing something that's a bit different. You know, I mean, we recently, my, my training partner, and I got to a, like a point where we're like a stalemate with the stuff that we're doing. So then we, we started like branching out to different gyms and they have different kit and then, you mm. know. Um, but I'm, fa- I'm fairly good with keeping myself on the go with it. Um, I mean, like I say, the only problem for me was just alcohol. You can't train and drink and anything. You can't do it all at once. You're going to be a rock star or you're going to be a star in the gym. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. your choice. And do you think you've gotten a bit of a sort of addicted personality in that regard where you'll get into something and just go all the way? I mean, as an, as an addict, I want to say no, mm. <laughs> but I know I definitely mm. do. Um, mm. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think, but I, there's a lot worse things to be addicted to than, than looking after yourself. So mm. yeah. What's been the, the upside for you? A lot of people listening to this, well, especially coming out of lockdown now, there's a lot of people that weren't able to go to the gyms because they were closed. And now that, you know, some people just need that little bit of a push to understand what the value is of the gym. Um, and what's it? What's the value of the gym been in your life? I think- Cause you're going twice today. The value of the gym. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call the first one, a, a, the first one's more of like a wake up. Let's call it a vinyasa, like a yoga type. I, the first day I went to the gym in lockdown, I went and looked at the gym because I was like, if I go in there and start moving around and throwing stuff and whatever else, then I'm, I'm not going to want to go the next day. And then you have to slowly build it up. Don't go in and think you need to do 45 minutes because they're running in the magazine that they said this. There's no quick route. For me, it's three, you need three months for any significant change that you have. And then it's like start at 20 minutes, 15 minutes, just go and feel it out. And then you'll find after a while the exercises, you're like, oh my God, I only have five more mm. minutes in here and I need another five minutes. And guess mm. what? You can have them. So then it's slowly like we've got, we're up to, you know, an hour, an hour and 10 minutes now. So it's like from starting at 15, 20 minutes. But the, for me, it's just, like I say, it's being able to get into bed at night and have that small victory to know what, at least I did this. And it was for me. It wasn't for anybody else. That's, I think that's important. And you're not doing it to try and get a sick, I mean, everyone's doing it low key to try and get six pack, but you're doing it because it's a, a lifestyle decision for your... Yeah, I mean, I, I recently started jujitsu, ju- ju- and it's for me, I want to be able to do what a lot of these guys are doing. Like the funny thing, jujitsu is super humbling because you just get thrown around like, it's like a tiger eating a gazelle or something. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. So it's like, as soon as that happens, and I was always quite a small dude. I've never been like a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even when I did my underwear commercial, I was still like 80, I think I was 75 kilos which is super light, right? Super light. So I, when I'm in the gym, people are like throwing me over here and I'm like, oh, I'm going that way today, am I? And then I'm over here. And it's like, so I put, I did want to put some weight on, but I put too much weight on at one point. I was like, right. I went alpha leather, but I, it's more for the the, the fitness side and, and the jujitsu side that I'm training as hard as I You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere and the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky 
and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. Um. I wanted to ask you some advice. I've been announced as a dragon on Dragon's Den. Um, how do you feel about that, by the way? <sighs> it's pretty cool, man. It's cool. Because You're a dragon. Yeah, like I when know, kids, yeah. Some kids want to grow up being a dragon. Yeah, you I are know. a dragon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I watched it when I was 12. So it came out when I was 12. And I used to watch it and I've never missed an episode. Wow, that doesn't surprise me And I said to the team, I used to pretend I was a dragon, sit there, pause the TV, give my verdict at 13 years old. I love it. All this stuff. Um, the bit I wanted to ask your advice on is... When it was announced, you know, I had my little moment, 15 seconds, where like all of the press talk about you, your Twitter blows up, lots of attention. Mm. What advice would you give to me about dealing with this kind of noise? Because you, I mean, there's not many people on planet Earth that have dealt with noise mm. like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think don't, it's a really fine line between getting too wrapped up in what's going on and not being wrapped up enough in it, if you know what I mean. Really? But I think, you put, I think you know the things that hurt you the most because you know they're honest. So when someone says something you like, if they hurt you, then it hurts you a lot, then you know there's some truth in it because it hurt you. If it's ridiculous, you just go, oh, that was funny. As if they said that, you know what I mean? Really? So I think there's a, there's a fine line to tread with it. And I mean, I've gone through eras where I was such like a little clapback, attitude-driven youth. Responding. Where as soon as someone would say something, I'd be like, right, well then let's go at you. And then I was, I mean, I was a bit mean and nasty at points actually. It was a bit bad, but for, when you're a teen growing up in it and people are like basically bullying you and they get paid for it, it's like, that's a bit outrageous. So I'm going to have my say. Mm. Who's got the biggest mountain? You know what I mean? But then it's like, someone said to me over time, it's like, you know, if someone says something about me in the press in this country and then I say something about them, it ends up on E! News and then they've made America. I didn't get anywhere. So it's like, don't bring people up to your level if you don't think you, unless you absolutely have to. And one thing I would say, don't lose your phone doing this. Notes. If someone pisses you off, write a note about it as if you were writing them a letter and then let it go. Just don't send it. And then it gets all your, yeah, yeah. what you would tweet out, but you don't say it. That was the best thing I ever did. That was the best thing I ever did. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so pop open your notes then. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered one. Can you imagine? Fucking hell. No, it's crazy because you read stuff and I was saying to you, you know, before we started filming, like I've got a baby apparently and a wife and then you look oh, at this other congratulations. one. Yeah. No, I know exactly. You're doing really well, yeah. And I just thought, like, you know, it's crazy that um, there's not a high regard for truth. in. in well, do you know what? I was actually on the way into this. I wanted to speak about this because obviously there's a lot in the in the world at the moment about freedom of speech and the press freedom of speech, which I agree with, right? Mm -hmm. we, should, we don't need to dictate laws. My only problem is, and my biggest problem around Corona was the fact that the media were allowed to twist our thinking about Corona mm -hmm. as much as they wanted to. And they're still doing it now, but the fear mongering isn't helping anyone, mm. you know, and these people aren't sat there going, oh, I've just written a great article. My boss is going to promote me. Oh yeah, but you just decrease the value of the pound. So your wages that you think are worth more are now worth less. Well, it's a struggling it's industry, world. right? I just and don't then, get it. Yeah. I'm like, if it's a medical thing and it's the world that is in trouble, maybe there should have to be something in place that says this is true. Or not that they have to put a disclaimer and say you should take advice from your local government. Mm. Bullshit. Like we all read you for advice mm. and you are offering us a disservice by 
telling us non-truths about stuff. I just well, it should don't be get regulated it. yourself. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I get that there's a hairdresser's account for me for people going, oh my God, I can't believe what that Liam Payne's done this week. <laughs> What's he done now? You know, I get that. But for Corona, yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't need to be going, oh yeah, have you read the thing about this new variant that's come from over the border? Yeah, yeah I can't yeah. believe it. Like someone from America phoned me the other night and they're like, are you going to be able to come here soon? I'm like, no, I ain't. No, no chance. But we don't, none of us know. We're all confused yeah. because we're being spouted fear. Which I just think is terrible. Just, Social media doesn't help either because no. there's there's screenshots knocking around WhatsApp groups saying all sorts of... Yeah, I mean, that, that, as much as this technology advancing on us, it's like this slow road. I mean, it's almost like the coins thing at the moment with uh, the Bitcoins. Like there's mm. some coins that are actually seriously there to do a job. And, the shit and then there's like the fuck Elon Musk coin, yeah, which yeah, does yeah. nothing but just disrespect Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth like 5 billion. Like, <laughs> a bunch of like, it's actually nuts. Um, you, you said earlier, you made a comment, you said that um, your partner at the time, in referring to lockdown, does that mean you are? I am indeed. You're single? Yep. Me and you both. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying to myself, I feel like, I feel like more than anything at this point, I'm more disappointed in myself for the keep on hurting people. That annoys me. I've just been not been very good at relationships. And I know what my pattern of things is with relationships, I feel at this point. I'm just not very good at them, so I just need to like work on myself before I before I put myself onto somebody else. And I feel that's what you know that's where I got to in my last relationship. I just wasn't given a very good version of me anymore that I didn't appreciate and I didn't like being. And I can honestly say that the, I feel better out of it. I didn't feel good for doing what 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 I did, but it, it had to happen. I mean, I know that's the, the corniest way of saying it. it was the best for both of us. Like whatever, cool, nice story, bro. But it just feels like that. Very self aware for you to know that you. Uh... Oh yeah, no, I know it was a problem. So it's, I need to sort myself out and I, f- I already feel good. So it's got me more concentrated, you know, and I hope she's happy. What is it you've discovered about yourself in relationships that you're trying to work on? Do you know what? <sighs> I mean, one of our old managers went to therapy from being a manager of One Direction. So if you can imagine how that feels, like the rest of us definitely need some. And for me, most part, I was really regressing from therapy because everyone was pushing me into it which is the worst thing you can do like it's almost like becoming sober for instance you have to want to be sober Mm. to start with not people taking your toys away and you going oh my god so it kind of felt like that whereas this time i kind of threw myself into it even though i didn't want didn't really want to inside i threw myself into it made my own choices and i think for me my life's been so controlled to a point day sheets, security guards, you know, anything. And it's all everybody else is dictating puppet mm. master crap over the top of your life. Then then you just get to a point where it's like, you have to take some control back yourself. And until I started to do that with my life, then I was living for everybody else. And I'm a complete people pleaser anyway. So it was like nothing in my life was about serving myself, which then that just led me in a bad place and finding enjoyment from other stuff that I don't need. What, what did, cause I've always considered therapy for a bunch of reasons. And the thing is, it's still such like a, 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 a taboo, the, taboo kind of phrase and thing. And I get it. I do get it. I was, I mean, I was on the phone to Louis from my band talking about it today. And it's like, there was one moment last week. And, and I mean, my manager's my best friend. He's been saying to me for a long time, you'll have that one awakening in the middle of it where you'll think about stuff. And I, I mean, I hate words like awakening and I hate this like Hollywood perception of like reflective work. What the fuck is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I get it. Yeah. But at the same point, I'm like, I don't know. You, you keep it for you, but it's like I had this one moment that, that that I found, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's just unlocked so many truths about me." And it was so insignificant, something that happened when I was younger. And it was so to me, it was like a, a family joke. 
But now I'm like, oh my God, I've been living my whole life as that character. And yeah, wild, wild. You'll love it. Scary. Really scary. Because you don't know what you're going to find. It's like opening a box. No, that's it. It's wild. But it, I'm I'm so glad that I, one, went through what I went through this year. And two, that, that you know, I think this year's forced something out of all of us. And mm. for me, it forced me to really look at my life and go, what the F are you doing? Like, grow up. And that was the point. And you I'm said, still trying to work on that, but... So you regressed from therapy? Yeah, I always turned away from it. And I was always like, oh, I don't, I don't need mm. therapy. I'll sort myself out. You know, your own worst enemy at that point. I'm really keen to understand w- what makes you a difficult, you know, specifically what makes you a difficult person today. I ask this question because I'm difficult <laughs> oh my today. God. Yeah. Do you want me to pull a few people in it? And we've got a special guest. Coming on down, his best friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Every ex-girlfriend. We've got them behind the curtain. <laughs> now that imagine? would be a weird room. <laughs> Can you imagine? That drops down and they're all oh there. Oh my God. Hi, I dated him for three weeks. room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd be out. <laughs> what would they? What would they? What would be the the consistent theme what, as to why you're difficult today? If I think I, I think my problem, I struggle to be on my own sometimes. Really? Yeah, I struggle to be on my own, and I think I dive in and out of relationships too quickly, and I've not had spent enough time on my own to really learn about myself. If that makes sense, mm. I honestly just need a minute. I need to check myself. Uh, but I'm really, I'm really keen. So you you, you needed to spend some time on your own mm-hmm. to kind of understand yourself, because in a relationship context, you find that you kind of, you're in and you're out a little bit too much. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and I, I I don't know. I think the biggest problem we have, I'm proper perfectionist. Terrible, mm. terrible, terrible. So when it comes down to relationships, I'm always trying to, at the start of the relationship, as we all do, you put out mm. this complete false character. Yes. Like I might as well go in in costume at this point. <laughs> and I, I'm like putting out something that he's not there. He's, the person is absent from the room. It's like they tag teamed on the way in. I'm, oh, it's you for this bit. Yeah, I'll join in later on. And uh I just, yeah, I just need to stop doing that. And then kind of like one encompassing someone else's life with your crap rather than like just doing your thing and, and laying out your store from mm. the day one. That's my biggest problem. And I feel for, my, for myself, I don't lay out my store. I'm like willing to bend to someone else's store. And then I'm annoyed at why they don't like what I like. Amen. So then I'm like, oh, okay. But if I just laid out the store early on and like, yeah, I go up at 5am and I go for a run. Well, how are we going to deal with that? So it's either in or it's not. You know what I mean? It's not 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 to not compromise because some things you'll be like, okay, that annoys you, fine. But yeah, for me, I don't I don't do that. I lay out a completely different. It's like a Woolworths so when you wanted an artist, or you know. <laughs> That's I've really debated that. I, I'm gonna t- personally, especially recently, because the girl I was into is very into everything that I'm not into. Like, a, like she's into like that? horoscopes and like, I don't What's know. What's wrong with us? Why don't we I do don't that? know. So I'm there like fucking looking at horoscopes being like, no, yeah, because you're trying to make- Spiritual people scare me. <laughs> <laughs> but at the start of a relationship, you become more like them. They become more like you. And then as a couple of weeks, months pass, you just regress to, act- to who you actually are. Well, you almost like, I feel like I hide resentments Ooh. from people sometimes. And I'm like, something annoys me. And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's fine. But inside I'm thinking- <laughs> Jesus Christ, I wish she didn't do that. And then so then it's later. like, then over time, I'm like, every little thing starts creeping in. And I did this in my job really badly because I would bend to my job and let my job overtake things that I didn't mm. like doing. Steve will vouch me on this, like videos for stuff. Mm. And rather than going no, until one day, I just was like, I hate everything. And now it's almost gone back the other way. Now I've had this little reset that like, I'm starting to call people in to do what I want to do yeah, rather than yeah. bending to everybody else's stuff. Mm. You know, and, and this, you'll probably experience the same, but in this, you're pulled every which way, mm-hmm. you know, and it's always about impressing whoever's behind the lens yeah. or whoever, whoever's in the audience. So I find I feel conversations with crap that I'm saying that 
doesn't really help me because I'll go home thinking, why the hell did I say that? Yeah. Like, what, now I'm that guy? Oh my God, <laughs> you know? And, and, then, and then it's like, but I was saying it because I thought it would entertain the other person. It wasn't mm. about me. Mm. Stupid. It's really fascinating that you're so self-aware of all these forces at play because it fe- it feels like you've spent a long time really analysing and looking at your behaviour. I think that, 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 can, that can have its benefits and it can have its problems as well. I think I'm like overcritical at points, but you know, you can't win everything. So it's like... Being a perfectionist. Yeah, it's, a, it's an issue. Yeah. What, how, t- talk to me about what that means specifically in your life. In work, in relationships. <laughs> Steve. In everything. What Steve's his manager who sat behind the camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like we should pull up a chair. I know, I, you know what I love about this is that but Steve, my fans think that like Steve's like doing something to me. So they're always like, oh, Liberty for Liam. He always looks for Steve. But it's not because I like him. It's not because he's like harming me as a person. But then there's, there's like a hashtag Liberty for Liam. Like they think I'm like some like prison child. There's going to be all these other people who are just listening on the audio and think you're calling my name. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. <laughs> so my one thing I, I really got into over over lockdown was art and drawing. Oh, interesting. Something I'd done since I was younger. And the point was find something to do that doesn't make you money was the whole point of the exercise. And I was like, okay, cool, drawing. And I said to the person who gave me the advice at the time, I was like, I guarantee this turns into something hold for later on in the conversation. Um, So I started drawing. But then what I found was I was so bad at starting a task, blank sheet of paper and all that, because I was so worried about what might come out that I was like, I'd sit there and like, if something's not quite right, I like, it can ruin my day in a drawing. Mm. If something goes wrong and it's not quite right, I'm like, oh my God, Mm. like I hate it. (laughs) That's the kind of thing. And how did that go? Drawing? Okay. I mean, the, the thing is once I got started and got onto some stuff, but then it was like, Sometimes in that respect, then I was drinking to draw pictures because I was so in my own freaking way. And it's the same writing songs as well. You can do the same thing with everything. You can trade out all that crap. And it's like, that's why, you know, people might smoke a bit or do whatever mm. when, they, when they make a track. But it's all about getting out your own way. And I feel like now I feel much more like I know who I am and I know what I want to do. So I don't need to be in my own way. I'm going to go, you know, it's, I don't need these additives. They only make me worse anyway. In the long run, right? Oh my sure. God, yeah. Today, today it might help, but tomorrow it's going to cause yeah, problems, exactly. right? And are you still drinking? Or have you, no. No, not still? No, no, no. I've been sober just over a month now, I think it is. Hey, my business partner, he, um, when we started the business, became an alcoholic about three, four years in because it was just too tough. Mm. And then he had like severe suicidal ideation. He actually didn't tell me at the time. And this is why when I was reading about your story, I could relate to so much of it because... He, I didn't say what I was going through to him. He didn't say it to me. And then it was like, after we'd sold the business that he was like, I used to stand on the train platforms and think about jumping in front of the train. Oh, and I was terrible. like, and he never told me. And, and the, but there was, and you, do, I didn't know what alcoholism or m- really mental health was at the mm. time, but I'd go downstairs 3am in the morning and I'd open up the laundry room and he's in there with a bottle of wine at 3am. The lights are off and he's just drinking mm. it, sat on the clothes. I'm like, get off my fucking clothes. I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm, and I was like, what the hell's going on? But, you know, and I, I read similar things, similar sort of story or narratives in your story where, you know, you were having moments of that, that kind of like ideation. You were having moments of suicidal ideation. And Yeah, I mean, there's, there's some stuff that I've definitely like never, never spoken about to do with it. That was really, really, really severe. And it was a problem. And, and, and it was only until I saw myself after that I was like, right, I need to fix myself. 
Mm. It was like a few pictures of me on a boat and I'm all like bloated out and I call it pills and booze face. And I was like this, like my face was just like 10 times more than it is now. And uh, I just didn't like myself very much. And then I made a change. And the same thing happened this year with, with, with that sort of thing as well. But the problem we had in the band, and I don't blame anybody for this. I don't want to seem like I'm whining or moaning. Mm. Oh my God, look at my life, whatever. But it feels to me like when we were in the band, the best way to secure us because of how big it got was just lock us in our rooms. And of course, what's in the room? Mini bar. Mm. So at a certain point I thought, well, I'm going to have a party for one. And that just seemed to carry on throughout many years of my life. And then you look back, how long you've been drinking and stuff, you're like, Jesus Christ, that's a long time. Even for someone who's, you know, as young as I was. Um, it was wild. But it was like the only way you could get frustration out in the day or being in tra like trapped. And, and, you know, I spoke about to somebody about this and, and, and in child development, you know, as a teen, the one thing you need is is freedom to make choices and freedom to do stuff. And it was the one thing that, although we could do anything we wanted, it seemed from the outside that we were always locked in a room at night and then it would be car, hotel room, stage, sing, locked. Mm. So it was like they pulled the dust cloth off, let us out for a minute and then, and then it's like back underneath here and I'm like, good. So crazy because you're right, the public will think the absolute opposite. We think, oh, One Direction, those guys have got total freedom all the money and the, what they can do anything. Mm. <clears throat> Everyone's, you know, in their nine to five jobs, just thinking, I'd love to have that level of freedom that Liam Payne has to do anything. But you can't yeah. do anything, right? It's the opposite. No, I mean, it, because we were young, I mean, I actually wanted to speak to you about this mm. as well. Because obviously you've, you've reached stratospheric heights at a young age. It's like, what I found was, I didn't know I was the boss until a long, until like a few months ago. I still don't even feel like I am now. Like I'm <laughs> such a child. And everyone I work with is like- Don't be right older than me and wiser than me. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here with these people? So it's like, you, you, you know, when we were 17, I thought the security guard was like in charge of me. Like I was like, oh, can we leave the room? No. Okay, then not to worry. I'll just stay here. That's what it was like. So I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, and, and no one, there's no guidebook. They don't give you a little DVD on the way and saying, here, you're a pop star. Like, <laughs> this is what you got to do. So I'm like in the room, like, what are we allowed to leave? And then eventually that becomes like an angry person. And I was, yeah. because- there was points where it was toxic and it was difficult. Don't get me wrong. We had the best time ever. We did. But there was moments where through, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a big movement on it at the moment and people overworking and, and like, you don't realize you have a choice at that point. Mm. But in those shows, sometimes they don't give you the choice because you want the dream, but you have to realize there is a sacrifice for that, you know? Rather than it just, and like I say, I never want to come on, on these things and whine about stuff. Like I made my own choices in life, you know, being an alcoholic, doing whatever else, that was my choice. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be whiny, but it's just like, there was a sacrifice and I know what I did sacrifice to be here, you know? Everything, what I've come to learn, everything in life, all the good shit comes with a cost. Oh, and I've, I've learned just from my own experience, like my success, my success is very different from yours. We went very different paths, but came with a clear cost because you can't go from being a 18 year old kid that's like nicking Chicago town pizzas to feed himself <laughs> to being, to building a company worth 300 million within six, seven years. Without, what a great sentence that was, like, by the way. I, I, like, <laughs> I was a fucking lose, like loner. Like I was in my room for summers upon summers on my own, for just, you know, because I couldn't, eight, my parents weren't talking to me. They said, don't call us until you get back to university. Years on my, so I wasn't speaking to my family. No friends, because I couldn't even afford to see them. That was the cost for me. And what that made is someone who, again, isn't very social. On the weekends, I spend 99% of my time alone. And people are like, oh my God, I'd love to be. I'm like, well, and then, and then I have the same thing you have, which is 
my brain is always has a thousand tabs open and I can't just go and sit on a oh. sun lounger and tan. Like tan? Tan like, what's, what's my brain I mean, going to do then? Sitting in the bath is one of my worst ones as well. But that's it. You're right. And you know what? Like think about someone as simple as someone who like plays guitar. Mm. The amount of time you have to spend alone with that instrument. You're going to yeah. be missing a couple of other yeah. things that happen in life. Exactly. And that's it's what it's cost. like. Exactly. Yeah. And that was for us as, for us as teens growing up. You know, I think people, like I said, I started at 14. That's nuts. Like I was in my school. I remember very clearly the moment that the, like the X Factor like moment happened when I was when I was younger. And I was playing football on a field and we had an all girls school right next door mm. to us. So I'm just playing football like it's a normal day. I've had a few like people like shout me out in the street where it's like, cool, I'm, you know, 14 years old. The whole school from the other school is on the fence. You're joking. And I'm like banned from that field for life. At first, how does it feel? It was wild, but what their people Good don't- wild? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I, can I, was like, I went from like zero to like, yeah. I was the, you know, it was- uh, the, the thing is, the I always say this to people, I wasn't world famous when I was 14, but I was famous within my world. So it's like, well, I didn't leave Wolverhampton and everybody in Wolverhampton knew who the hell I was. So I couldn't go anywhere. So, you know, and, and at that point I can't afford a security guard. I'm not special enough to have any of these like additives. I'm still on the, the 794A to, to, <laughs> to, you know, my little, my little Christian school. And then- what happened over time is, and I, I, you know, people are people. They they do what they do. But there was a, there was one significant moment for me where I knew that I lost it and I wasn't gonna go back on X Factor to, to be in the band, which would have been wild, by the way. I would not have been here right now. Um, but there was a moment I was in a McDonald's with like a new girlfriend I had at the time, and it had been two years since the show, and I noticed my shows decreased in number, decreased in capacity and decreased in wages. So I was like down and out at this point. So I've had fame and lost it. And I'm like nearly 16 years old. Mm-hmm. So that's difficult to deal with anyway at that age. And then I'm in McDonald's and because everyone still knows who I am, I'm sat there and I literally remember about to take a bite of this nice juicy burger. Someone on the stairs goes, X Factor reject. And the whole restaurant looks at me, right? I'm 15 years old. And it was just horrible. What a scumbag thing to say. I know, but it was like, that's, that's the thing. It's like, it was almost a, like a shout out to say, oh, you think you're special, but you're still here. In the most Wolverhampton. I guess you've got to understand where that comes from, though, from that person. What's going well, on Well, someone said life? something to me today. It's not what you do, it's what's happened to you, which I thought was quite, I like that. So, so tell me what happens from there. So you, you, I, I don't want to go too much into it because I know you get asked this stuff all the time. Yeah. So we don't want to go over old tracks, but that was your first sort of experience with fame. You then kind of, you feel it declining. Ice Cube says some stuff to you in the McDonald's. <laughs> life, life carries on. And then, uh, yeah, on the point, because I really want to get to this. I know you're working on this NFT project. Yeah. And it's based around this feeling of being... It's based around the idea of this. It's, it, was a, it was like a, I want to call it a syndrome. I don't know what it was. Someone told me something about fame you enter fame the age you you leave fame the age you entered it so for me that was 14 right so i'm screwed like i'm the 14 year old forever child so that was always a big fear of mine that i have to grow properly now from what one direction gave me i grew massively in some respects to the point that you i mean you all have experiences when you have conversations about business deals and i'm the director of a company like i was a director of a half a billion dollar industry at 22 I'm like, what the hell does that mean? All it meant was I got to sign 10 times more forms than anybody else. <laughs> Wild, right? So, but then in other things, like if I'm trying to pay car insurance, I'm useless. So then you don't grow in other aspects of your life because you have other people do crap for you. Like picking up my post, I'm the worst person in the world. I, I just forget about it. You know, That must lead you open to be, to be taken advantage of, right? Because they know that there's some things you don't know. Like you were saying, oh, you yeah, the security 100%. person was- Yeah, that's it. And you're, you're, 
deluded in your growth of whatever. But this is where the NFT idea kind of came from. And it but it first started as this this little drawing that I did. And I wanted to make my own character because I was like, I'm really good at drawing, but we have printers for that. I don't need to be a printer. So then I was like, I need to make something. So I made this like ethereal creature that was, I wanted to 3D print and stick in a uh, like crystal glass box. And the idea is that he's depressed that he's, it's like a wasp in a beer glass type thing. Ah, okay. Magical creature, can't get out sort of thing. So then we kind of came up with this prayer eternus idea around fame and what does that lead to? And and for me, the way it speaks to me and the way that art speaks to me is that I was afraid of the idea of losing, you know, having, keeping the child with me. I was trying to, like, he was like a monkey on my back trying to get rid of him. Whereas for now, the idea for me is more based around, you know, how do I enjoy that? Because what I love when I see my son is that he can be whatever he wants in that moment. You know, I'll be over the house and he's like, you're a bad guy, I'm a good guy. And I'm like, that's great. And then the next day, he's one of them girls from Frozen. No, no, I'm doing this. It's magic powers today. And I'm like, wow, like we lose that. And that's a lot of my problem when I'm sitting doing a task or whatever. The belief system in me has been trodden on through life that much that now I've forgotten about that. They have the ability to do whatever the hell they want. So why would you ever want to lose the child within you in that sense? Wow. And that's coming out as an NFT soon? Mm-hmm. It's coming out as an NFT uh, in like two weeks, I think. It's quite scary. It's wild because I just made it, I made it one day in lockdown and then sent it to my manager. And we enjoyed the pieces it was, but then it just kind of grew into this thing at the same time that NFTs were growing. Right. As a thing. I mean, have you, how many people ask you what NFTs are, by the way? Um, so many of them. A lot of people. <laughs> uh, like I'll get DMs all the time and, you know, I'll try and describe what it is, but... I think if you say something with enough conviction, people will just believe it anyway. So I'm like, you know, broccoli. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'll just say anything. Yeah, I know what it is. I've studied it. I'm working on a few projects at the moment with NFTs, but um, I'm just, you know, with all these emerging technologies and whenever something's new, I'm kind of like probably a little bit like you and Christian. I know you're very, very entrepreneurial and investing a lot now. Um, I just want to be in there like a sponge. So mm. I want like a, a flag in there just so I can learn. So yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a common misconception about this sort of thing as well, is that you always come up with the idea that's coming to you rather than, like you say, being that sponge in the mm. middle of the room. If you're mm. not part of the million dollar conversation, you were never part of the fucking conversation. Yeah, I know, and that's yeah. literally it. It's like be in the moment, mm. like rather than trying to make decisions or you just have to learn about that stuff. And you don't have to know everything. Mm. You just have to know someone that does know something. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that, yeah, I know. The, the thing is you get older, I think the wildest thing is that people... Those phrases that they used to say to you as a kid, like when I had my child, my mom saying to me, oh, like you're growing up so quickly, like blinking, you'll miss it. And like, you're a kid, you're like, yeah, I'm six, like chill out. But then as you get older, you're like watching it and I watch my song grow, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like he's telling me off now. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they grow up so fast. My niece, I mean, it's I've wild. got a child of my own according to the, the Daily Mail, but you know, <laughs> just like this, like, no, where did you get wild. those legs from? Um, I've been teaching mine to swim. I mean, we had a really good conversation the other day and it's like, it's a whole new learning experience. Once again, there's no handbook and you're just like out there on your own. I still feel like a child in so many ways, as you've learned from mm, my NFT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm watching him and like, I played him a trailer, a movie trailer. It was this simple. I played him a trailer for a thing and we watched it. And we both were like, I like that. Let's stick that on. It was just Disney's Raya and a Dragon thing. It was about you. <laughs> <laughs> you and your new Dragon's friend Raya. BBC one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we sat there and then I turned the film on and the first shot of the film was from the trailer. He's going... Why, why are you playing this again? <laughs> and I'm going, no, no, no. It was, we watched a, a, a trailer. 
no, but why is it on the TV again? And it kept like bits get flashing on. I'm like, oh my God, this is not helping me. So then I'm like, okay, let me, how do I explain this? I was like, you know, like if we like have a plate of food and like I feed you a little bit and then you go, oh, and you don't want it. And then I take it away. Or if I feed someone, you go, oh yeah. And I give you the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's like this. And then he's going, yeah, but why are we watching it again? <laughs> you must, do you get scared as a dad about doing the wrong thing or the right thing? Cause you say there's no handbook. So you're like, if you feed him this, or if you say this, he's going to start saying the C word at school. Like I do. Oh, when he did swear once, I was happy I wasn't around for it because I couldn't be blamed. And there's a way to root out, find out whose swear word it is. Because it wasn't a combination I would use. Oh, really? So I knew it wasn't me. Mummy. Who was it? <laughs> Who was it? <laughs> we won't go into that. You said, um, you, I don't normally loop back, but there was something you said, which, which again, my mind thought, oh, that's really intriguing, is you said that you weren't going to reapply for the X Factor, potentially. Yeah. Where do you think you would be? And I'm going to ask you various <laughs> iterations of this question. Where do you think you'd be in your life now if you hadn't have applied for the X Factor? So you want the business plan. That's what yeah, you want. Yeah, That's yeah. what you really want to hear. But you I want also, to hear the yeah, business plan. Yeah. Okay, I'll lay it out for you. This, this, okay. is my, this was actually my like plan B system. This I'll let you know if I'm going to invest. strange child. Okay. So I got a job. At the same time, this is really wild. Work experience week at school. My dad worked at a factory and I was always obsessed. I was like, this is adult Lego. And he built airplanes. I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to do that. So I went and I built airplanes and they had like a little collection for me. And I did like 400 quid and everyone, I was like, what did you get paid for your work experience? And I was like, nothing. I was like, oh, I got like 500 quid. But in the middle of my work experience, I went on X Factor. So it was almost like I was trialing my two lives. Ooh. Almost like, uh, what's that sliding doors film or whatever it's called, a butterfly effect. Or oh yeah, 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 yeah. So my thing was I'd got a job and secured one there for an apprenticeship, which was like 22,000 a year or something. Mm. And then I was like, right, I know my sister paid 60 pound board at the house. So if I just like board at my parents' house, it's £60 in fees, then I can save up the other money enough to buy my first house and then rent it out. All right. So and you then had I was going to collect the rent, buy another one, and then move into that one. And then it was almost like a conveyor belt system. Nice. You had it all planned out. I had it ready to go. And then X Factor Room. I, might, I mean, you say your, your favorite TV program was Dragons Then Mine yeah. was, I, I watched Help My House Is Falling Down and Location, Location, Location and stuff like that when I was a kid. I was like really? obsessed. Yeah. And then fun enough, my manager does pro- loads of properties. Are you, in, the odds? are you into property? I love property. Really? I, I, I wasn't very good at it at the start, but I'm getting better. You need to teach me some stuff because I have zero properties. I'm renting this place. Um, <laughs> I was going to say to you, um, with um, when you do a show like X Factor, what a lot of the sort of people that come out the other end of these shows often say, especially, I mean, very few have had the success that you've had, right? Mm. But I can imagine, and I think, I've, I think I might have read this somewhere before, maybe from Little Mix, is you, you feel somewhere in you that you still have something to prove because 100%, 100%. really talk to me about that i mean because your success was is just stratospheric it's like in a league of its own it's wild so to hear that you, you feel like you still have something to prove is surprising well i mean i think there's a problem that us as people we all want something that we feel like we made but the older i get and the more things i'm like privy to you don't really make anything on your own ever. Like, I think there's just about Ed Sheeran the writes on his own. And even he doesn't write music on his own. So it's like, for one, that feels a little bit like that because you were in the band. And I suppose for each of us as members, we wanted to see what we could do. And I, you know, I, I'm really happy with my success as far. What I don't know is how how much of this idea was 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 mine to go with as to be in the music career. You know, you worry about like the life that you might have missed over, oh, I was going to do this, whatever. Like, I always quite like the idea of the army. As a kid, that's something I definitely Same. wanted to do. SAS. Yeah, I love the idea of the army. Um, and 
Boxing's another one. I mean, I've been I've been fortunate to have a, a go a bunch of fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I think you always feel like you have something to prove. And I think at the end of the day, you're just you're only really proving it to yourself because no one else really cares. Everyone else just looks at you as what it is. And it's not that you want to beat your brand because no one will beat our One Direction. Not one of us in our lifetimes. In another lifetime, somebody might might crack something. I mean, BTS have had a really good go at it. They've yeah, done really, really well. Um, but we were like the new wave of the Beatles. And even still, people didn't say we beat the Beatles. Mm. You know what I mean? You're it's never going to... It's, yeah, it's a different, different era. Exactly. And that's, that's what happened with our fame as well. We were just that of this era. It's the same with Justin Bieber, right? Who the hell has beaten that run? Come on. They won't. They'll, someone will be different. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just like, I think in the end, it's, you're only like fighting against yourself. I sound like Rocky Balboa now. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm really intrigued by all of that because you, you also have these five, so you have five band members. They all go off and do their own solo mm. careers. And I, are you, do you compete against each other? Do you try and stay out of each other's lanes? Are you thinking about, oh my God, I don't want to be seen as doing, you know, what this person's doing. And I think we did compete with each other at a point. But I think it's all fairly, it's laid out as it is now. And we've all had our success in completely different areas. Mm. And also musically, we didn't really go down the same route. Mm. I think Harry, Harry's an amazing, you know, I mean, first album, he had the one song off, which is really, really well. And then his second album, he found himself. And that's, Mm. that is your awakening Mm. as artist. That's when it really clicks. I don't feel like I've had that moment within me yet. I've written some songs recently that I'm really proud of and happy with, Mm. but I don't feel like I've had that moment yet. Strip that down came out and it was we did a billion streams and i could have Mental. never have asked for that i could have never have asked for that in a million years but when i was making strip that down i was a box of frogs i was nuts i was wild i didn't know what the hell was going on and also i didn't know what the what the you know the hot potato i just got landed on me oh we just did a billion streams it's like it literally is like hot potato one minute's here the next minute it's gone so you know i'm excited to see what the next the next six months of this brings you know um i'm excited to see to see we have some re- a really cool song in the pipeline, um, which is really exciting. Wow. Really exciting. And the song, one of the first ones I've actually written myself um, with some other people. I didn't write by myself. Um, but it's, yeah, the first one I've really liked. And I think I got so used to carting around other people's songs and not embedding myself creatively in what I do because I was scared to find out who I was. Hmm. So it's almost like, that's the thing. When you're selling yourself, you have to know what the hell you're selling. And I'm, you know, I'm sure most people wake up every day going, I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> and you have to fail to find that out, right? Yeah, 100%. Because you're going to have to try some shit and experiment. Oh and- my God. And it's like, so say like you're like geeky kind of growing phase between say 16 to 21, if you're lucky. It might last a bit longer if you're shit. Mm. <laughs> you, I did that in front of everyone. And there's some terrible outfits. There's some terrible haircuts. <laughs> You know, you've and had that, some great that, haircuts that stuff as well. is there forever. I've gotten away with a few haircuts. Yeah, you've had, I feel like you've had some great ones. I, the short haircut, I think not a lot of people can pull that out. I got Thank a bit of like you. a melon head thing at the back, so I can't, I can't do that. People think I'm an alien, but um, no, you've had some good haircuts. I've got to be honest. When I, I read something about um, strip that down, you said that you were almost scared of the success, just as much as scared of the failure. Oh man, I mean, no one trains you for the moment it goes right, right? So you leave One Direction, you've got your big sort of debut single coming up mm. and you're scared of the success. If I it does really worry because I know what that can bring to you. What can it bring? Well, I've never I mean, had I, a- I, I, I finished a day recently, <laughs> one of the one days that stuck out for me in the last few years where I did a whole day's promo in New York. And on the nighttime, I was on, I think it's an Andy Cohen show or yeah, something yeah, yeah. and they had a drinking game. 
and someone asked me a question about one of my ex-girlfriends and I did not want to divulge what mm. the hell went down. And it was a drinking game. So I, I was like, they were like, we can fill it with water. But me being me was like, no, if I'm playing, I'm playing for real. So I'm like Vodka. necking tequila. Oh gosh. Like boom. And I'm wasted. I get home at half past one. Bear in mind, I started at like, I want to say eight o'clock in the morning. I was then asleep and I woke up at half past three for vocal training to be in Central Park at seven, for grooming at five and in Central Park for seven o'clock. Bear in mind, I went to bed at half past one. So I know what it can bring. And that, that crap will send you insane. I don't remember some days I was here. Like that will send you round the bend. But it's the, you, if you want it, if you want it, it's out there for you. You can go ahead and take it. But it's like, you have to be a workhorse to want to, to do this. And I think a lot of artists would say that coming out of it. But I don't think it's, you know, it's unfortunate the demand in our in- industry and also the demand of, of how quickly people receive information now. Mm. You know, our 30 second time, like goldfish time span that we've mm. got now. I mean, I definitely have that. I'm the worst. And it went really, really fucking well. It a went really well. And then it was like, one it was, you know, we, the, the problem we had was, it was like having a baby. The thing was nine months to get the number one in America. So it took nine months to work the record just to get the number one. So if you can imagine singing the same song every day for nine months and having like one or two songs to back it up with, it was like pretty, like, I'm sure somewhere that must be like put down as a method Hard of torture. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. You must <laughs> But it's, this is the job, man. Yeah. And it's like, it's, listen, the first few shows of anything are amazing. And then after a while, it's like, you'll find bits that will like great on you and whatever else. But, you know, I've, I've been so lucky to have the career that I've had. And, and you know, let's hope for more of that. That's, that's what I think at this point. But it's learning how to deal and channel that. And what's your relationship like with the rest of the boys? I'm sure you get asked this all the time. But it, I great with most it of them. Great with most of them. Um, I think everyone's settling into themselves at this point. I know I am for sure. Um, uh, I had a lovely phone call from Harry the other day. He was checking in on me. And, and I mean, it's always like some people have got six cents for you, right? That you're going through something. So they'll check really? in. And he was, he's very much like that. He's a lovely, lovely boy. I, I, I love him to pieces. And then um, Louis, I, I speak to a lot. Um and we've always had a really, really close connection. And the, the funny thing for us, I mean, I've said this a lot, but we were, we hated each other at the start, but it's almost the people that you grow closest to, you know? And Niall, I'll, I'll say it because he brought it up quite recently, but the, you know, the whole thing of the talk about the reunion, mm. like for me, I'd rather we talked about it sooner rather than later because I don't want to, it's tough touring, touring that, that, that sort of record. And, and, and I enjoyed touring for what I enjoyed it for, but there's parts of it that really, really, Fuck me up, man. In a sense, I'll be honest with you. Um, but none of us talk about it. It's like it's taboo subjects. Like, oh, we can't get back together. What do you mean? Oh my God, like us in the same room. What the fuck is that about? What fucked you up about touring? Uh, my dad said it from day one, lonely hotel rooms, man. Getting locked in that room is not fun when you've been exposed. I mean, I've come off gigs before. I did a gig in, in Dubai. <laughs> I was really worried no one was going to show up. It was one of my first solo gigs by myself. And I suppose I'm uber self-critical. I'm always like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Mm. So I get to this park and the capacity for the park is like, you've never seen. I'm looking at like a park. I'm like, how the hell? And I'm thinking, we're getting paid a lot of money to be here. This is gonna be really embarrassing if nobody shows up. And I don't know anybody in Dubai. I can't even call 10 friends to be here. So I'm like at dinner, I'm not eating my food and whatever else. And I get back to the gig and there's people chanting and going, Liam, Liam. And I'm like, okay, there's people here. Oh my God, I can chill. I get out there and I'm like awash with these sea of people. And I noticed the sound system's hella quiet behind me. It's making any sense. I'm, I get through the gig and you autopilot the hell out of it. When I got off stage, they're like, oh, you broke a record. You're on a list with Michael Jackson. There's 110,000 people. I'm like, 
And I was like, I, 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 I shit you not. I got back to my hotel room and I was sat in my room on, on a chair like this. And I was about to go to the Maldives with, uh, with Cheryl and Bear. And I'm like, I don't think I can go to the Maldives right now. I can't move off this chair. How did, how did you feel on that chair? Shocked. Why? Like for, to go from like, I don't know who's going to be here to then I looked on the thing and it's like Oasis, Robbie Williams, all, all these amazing, you know, ACDC, all these outdoor gigs, amazing outdoor gigs. And then just me and Michael Jackson. And he's in there like three or four times. He's, you know, he is the list, but I was on the same list. I'm like, what the? Can't be easy. Like going back wild. to that hotel room. Like and I've it's, done that's talk, it. It's just yeah. mute. It's almost like, you know, like in that, in a movie where they throw a grenade and he goes, and, just, and then everyone's like, and that's what it feels like. And you're like, oh my God. Like, yeah. Cause I've done, not in 9,000, 15,000 in Sao Paulo. I mean, I did a talk with Obama. That's me name dropping. Oh, wow. But, um, but it, it, they're not chanting. <laughs> they're all very quiet. I mean, they clap at the end. But, but, they, but how do it make you feel? You just feel like a different... Yeah. I, I, I can completely relate because I, I was thinking last year, I lived in New York City, but I was, I was speaking around the world 50 weeks of the year. So I was home four weeks. Yeah. And yeah, I go back to the hotel room. Sometimes, you know, I haven't eaten because of the adrenaline. Um, and yep. it's very lonely and you're like well, YouTube and what room do service. I do now? Yeah. But 110,000 people screaming your name and you're performing. Wild. I had the prince or the, the king or the something to Dubai dancing to strip that down. Oh, wow. I need to get that on TikTok. In a country where you conveniently can't strip it down, which I thought was quite funny, <laughs> but he was up dancing, you so know? We were talking about the touring here. The touring part really messed you up. So the hotel rooms. Yeah. A return of one yeah, day. I, I saw like a thing of, of people being like angry at X Factor this last few weeks. And I wanted to say something about it, but I didn't really know what to say on my terms. Because mm. I feel like there's obviously going to be some people in there who are bitter. Mm. And you sign up for this show, you don't really know what the hell you're getting yourself into. But I would agree. And I we've actually gone out of our way as a team to make this possible for me. And I think a record label just bought into the idea of, of what we've made. And I was the guinea pig. Right, so pick the craziest person in the room to start with. That's a good, good place to start. And uh, we made this this thing to like care for people in the industry because we don't have unions. We don't have people to look after us. And I was a kid. You know, I was a child when this happened to me. And I'm very fortunate to still be here today to be able to tell this story. But for most people, they feel abused or, or, or something in some sense. So I just think that they need to there needs to be a self-care, a care system within these shows. Because if they're going to move people through these shows and use them to make television, they can't just like let them off afterwards. And I could never watch X Factor because I was always heartbroken because I'd been the guy who made it really far and then got let go. And it ruined me when I was 14. I was crap at school, depressed. Like, like it ruined me at one point. But I've also then been the guy who, I think my dad actually came out and said it in, in a thing we were filming once. He was like, you've been told no more than any winning X Factor contestant or like any successful X Factor contestant. I'm like, thanks dad. It's great to know. <laughs> what an unusual experience. Wild. If you were to tour again, would you do it differently? Would you have... I don't actually even know how I would tour again. I, I, I really want to. And, and like, I want to put... I, I, I always said throughout this solo career, I'd let my songbook speak to me. And I don't think my songbook has necessarily spoke to me enough to get me off my ass to go somewhere yet. I only became a solo artist because I had stripped that down. Mm. I wasn't going to do it. I was going to leave it alone. Music? Yeah. I was going to leave it hell alone. I was like, I survived once. Thank you very much. But now I'm back in. Why? Because the song, I knew it was right. It felt right with the song. Whereas I haven't had that. And this, this year, the song that we have, I feel really right about. So I would rather let the music do the talking than me come out and- Try and you know. force it. 
I mean, it's such a fast moving industry these days. It's one of the biggest races in the world, right? If we had a start line for how many musicians there are trying to make it right now and who's going to outwork the other one, <laughs> we'd need a very big track. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of got to that place. We don't need any more useless music in the world, in my eyes. It needs to mean something. You said there's something, you know, in the previous answer that you, you've said online, which is that you're lucky to be here. One of the most moving things I've ever seen, which re- honestly disturbed me and has stayed with me my entire life, was that Avicii documentary and the way that his management were pushing him and he had social anxiety and, oh God, it just haunts me. You know what, with those things, I mean, I've spoken to managers who've lost people and different, and, and you know, I've definitely put strain on a lot of people in my life in the past. You see, it makes me like a mm. place different person. I don't like talking about it. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard. It's just as hard for the team around you at points as it is for you. Because we didn't all know how the hell we got here. <laughs> Everyone's kind of looking around like, we don't really know how the hell we got here. So where's the next move? And there's always someone who will pull you through. I've been very, very fortunate now with the people that I had to pull me through my, my bits. Um, and it's, you know, and for, that's why I say this care system is so important, right? We, music is the lifeblood of a lot of our things. It's the background to our movie scenes when we're sat in the back of the car looking longfully out the window. But then we don't want to look after the thing that's kind of feeding us that much. Mm. You know what I mean? So mm. I think for artists, in a sense, they do need that. I feel that it doesn't need to get lost in translation in other things. It, it genuinely needs to be a care system. But then everyone's over therapy these days in that sense anyway. But it's like, if you want it, it should be available. You know? Is there, was there, is there a moment where you look back and say, that was the lowest moment for me? That was the pivotal moment? I had a few right? of them. I was worried how far my rock bottom was going to be. Where's rock bottom for me? And you would never have seen it. I'm very good at hiding it. No one would have ever seen it. But rock bottom, it, I, I, I mean, I don't even know if I hit it yet. You know what I mean? I feel like it's like one of those little mm. graphs you see when it's like, oh, we hit the, the uh, you know, like the support, the market support. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're there. At least it's a support level. Oh my God. You know, it's the same thing. So it feels like I can either make that choice now and, and pick my last moment as my rock mm. at the bottom or I can make a new one and make a whole new low as my choice. You you said online that you were, you had previously been masking your um, emotions and feelings and this was something that you were trying to trying to get over, mm. um, said you, you tried to learn to deal with your emotions instead of masking them. How important has that been? This is something I really struggle with. I'll tell you what, because I was CEO of a company, you know, 27 years, 26, 27 years old, 700 employees. And- That's wild. Fucking wild, isn't it? All around the world, these adults that are double my age. And I have to be, right? My business partner, he'll tell you-, you he's been on the pocket. He it's... fell away, right? Alcoholic, on all this weight, depressive anxiety fell away. So I'm carrying him because I need, because mm. we're, we are co-founders, we're seen as a unit. So when he's out in the street, and I don't, he won't mind me saying this because he's been drinking all day with the team and he's stealing what bottles of wine off other people's tables, just total strangers. <laughs> and he's doing <laughs> things in public, like which he'd get arrested for yeah. with parts of his body that I'm not going to talk about. When he's doing those things, I'm getting a phone call. I'm 26 and I have to not only manage him, my business partner, but then I'm having to manage all the impact that's had on all of our employees. And I felt that I could never talk or be vulnerable. You, oh, the thing I, I find so- But that's why I said it's not, people don't realize it's not just, you know, and what happened to Avicii is terrible by the way. And I haven't seen the documentary. I didn't watch, I actually knew someone who knew, who worked with him. He wrote with me as well. And he said that what he saw was going on was not good. But for the most part, for a lot of these people, 
there's usually somebody in there that's not very good, mm. but everyone else is trying to help and you don't see the effect it's having on them as well. Mm. You live and die by the sword. I live and die by my sword. That's it. But the person who's behind trying to pick up the shield to help me, mm. they haven't even got the fucking sword. They're just diving into battle for you. And that's the difference. You know what I mean? It's like people miss out on that bit. So it's never just on that person. You know what I mean? A lot mm. of my stuff, you know, if I hadn't had the help I had, I don't know where the hell I'd be right now. So that's a credit to you in a sense. It's um, it, it's super, super tough. I think with the, um, the, the bit that I, I really respect you for though, is you're very open about it. You, you talk about it. You talk about going to therapy. You talk about your lows. You talk about being unsure if you would even be here. Mm. And that's going to do a lot of good for a lot of people. I hope so. I mean, you know the, I mean? The, 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 like the, the worst bit for me is, I think it's seen so much as a tool these days to hide behind a point. So not, for me, it's never about that situation. Like, I'm just telling you as what it is. Mm. And, and it's, that's the bit where I think, like I say, I don't want any of this to get lost in translation. I am not 1% moaning about my life. I, I, I love my life at the minute. My life's great. It's had its ups, had its downs, but it's, you know, yeah, I think I'd rather talk about it and it's therapeutic for me. Mm. And this has been a really good chat, by the way. This is a cool chat. I like this chat a lot. There's been some shit ones, let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Because I'm genuinely asking you questions that I give a fuck about. Yeah, no, that's so, it. That's the know, point, though. Yeah, and, that's, yeah, and I'm yeah, telling yeah, you the thing yeah. as if it matters yeah, to me, yeah, not trying to hide yeah. behind some sort of yeah. bullshit thing. Yeah. You know? And like I say, I think there's many people who have this effect on, on, on therapy and all those things and sobriety. And I ain't saying everyone at home, by the way, should go sober. I ain't telling them to go vegan. I ain't telling them to do whatever. I'm saying this is what I did and it worked pretty okay for me so far. So... You know, you're making, you made a movie, you wrote a movie, right? I've been working on something for a while and me and Christian spoke about it a few weeks ago. And it's funny that it's based around AA, but I had a really weird AA experience the first time that I went into. What's uh, AA for anybody that doesn't know? uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, And I, my first experience was with Russell Brand, which if you've seen Get Him to the Greek or any of those other movies, I went to his house and I love Russell. There's something about that sentence which I can't get over. My first experience was with Russell Brand. Okay. I mean, yeah, exactly. All right. So I'm in his house. I'm in this dude's Sounds house like and I've never met him. And I've only seen him on the movies and, and as a comic and I, you know, my bookie wookie, I love that stuff. And like, so I know a lot of things about him, but I'm not, I'm a really shy person when I first meet, I'm like, oh my God. Like, so he makes me a coffee and we sit talking about our experiences and I've never seen someone look at me the way he looked at me. Like, find you a man who looks at you like Russell Brand looks at you when he's listening to your stories. Cause he like looks into your soul. I was like, I was born again. And then we went to this meeting. It was an all male meeting and there was everything in the meeting from prison guards to ex soldiers, to ex cons, to postmen, to bin men, to everything. And then me and Russell Brand. So I'm like, this is the weirdest room I've ever been in my life. We're in like some old, like community, like church room or whatever. And then he's, he's taking the chair in the room. So my first experience with AA was like the best experience ever. Because it was like he was just doing stand-up. It was unbelievable. He was doing stand-up in an AA meeting. No, it's like they, they have someone who chairs the, <laughs> oh, okay. chairs the meeting. Like and, and the idea is like, if they say like, oh, can you talk about uh, relationships and how it was affected by alcohol? Then he'll tell the story of his, his right. alcoholism or, 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 you know, narcotics thing. And, and then you're linking from his experience to go, sure. oh my God, I'm the same as you. And that's Fine. how it works. Um, I'm not going to give the whole script away because otherwise no, no, I'll tell you the whole film. No, no. But I'm, I, I kind of came up with this film and I actually, I haven't spoken to Russell Brand, which is the first thing I have to do because it was from him that this, obviously sure. I'm in a movie. 
right now. Like, yeah. and I'm one of the characters and I'm sat here going, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here, but apparently I'm alcoholic and I've got a problem. <laughs> oh my God, what's going on? Um, the, the walls are closing in. Wolf um, Farrell walks in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Wolf of Wall Street was in the corner over there. I don't know, it was wild. It was wild. So it's, I'm excited about it. And I think it's really funny. I showed it one of my friends um, and she was, she really likes it. She laughed a lot at it. So we'll see. What else is, um, what else is going on in your life in terms of like business and investing and projects and stuff like that? When you think about the direction of travel that you want to take over the next 10 years, which direction do you want to focus on and go in? You're investing tons. You've got your own businesses now. Everyone's going to say the same thing to you every time you have an interview. They're going to say, when is the reunion? I mean, I've had wild, my business learning curve from the day I first got my like first check and I went to the manager, I'm like, what do you invest your money in? Because he had the biggest garden in London. I was like, he's a good place to start. He had the biggest home garden, which you don't think he does anymore, Steve, do you? Okay, apparently he doesn't anymore. Okay. But apparently he did. When I was younger, he did. So I'm like trying to ask him like what he invests in. He's like on about gold and whatever else. And then you learn about safe haven currencies and all these other mm. things. And then I started to branch out a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, then I went on to properties, which was always the one I wanted to do. And then when I was 19... <laughs> I nearly bought a fighting agency, which was fun. A fighting agency? Bama. I got bought in to buy Bama when I was 19. So I roll up to this in my, like, my like, Burberry coat thinking I'm an absolute bad man because I'm about to buy like England's UFC. Oh, okay. Okay, fine. Right. So I go to this arena in Manchester. And I'm looking past it. It's not great. Everything else. But I'm looking at all the stuff. And you're a kid. So I'm a kid. And I mean, I remember being front row of the fight and some guy behind me obviously doesn't like the band very much. Like, sit out, shut up, whatever else. Every fighter then after got out of the ring and shook my hand. Oh. And I just kept looking behind thinking, are you still got something <laughs> to say? Do you know it's the guy with the scary him. clown mask who mm. just need that other guy's nose off? Like he's my friend. He's a, my so friend. I was like, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then I went and met everybody afterwards and I, I got into his company. But unfortunately the deal wasn't great. I put it through one of my investors that I have. And then it's like, people try to catch you out. And this was always my biggest problem. I very fortunate to live in some lovely places. And every time someone would show up at my door to do something and the job would cost 500 pounds, they would try and charge me 50 grand because the house was big. And I'm like learning early on, like, and, but don't get me wrong. I've spent some money on some stuff I shouldn't have spent money on. You and me both. Um, uh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go into detail because <laughs> yeah. I lost some money. Like my thing I always say to people is like, I will tell you where I lost as much as I tell you where I win. You can't make mistakes though, right? Yeah, 100%. Mistakes. And, I'm, and like my point is I'm, I'm going to do better than whatever my last mistake was anyway. Sure. That's the point. If I trust myself enough, it won't matter in the long run. Mm. When you think about money though, you know, you didn't come from money. You didn't come no. from the back. You're, when you started, I read that your dad had tons of debts and stuff like that. And so you, your relationship with money will be very, very different as you've gone over the last decade um, than a lot of other people because to you, it's probably something that you thought was, you built up more when you were younger, right? Yeah, and I think as a kid uh, growing, and especially if you like rap music is what it becomes a completely oh, different God. thing. Like, rap music <sighs> made me spend a hell of a lot of money. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, I have one of my friends over recently and my family, my dad made decisions in, in, in our house of what was going on and stuff and he did them for the right reasons. So I stand by that and he doesn't need to feel any pain in that whatsoever because he wanted us to go on holiday and go to America and he would bury himself. And I, he was so stressed. He said at one point in his life, he woke up and he couldn't remember his own name because he was so far in debt that he was only covering the interest, which I can't imagine how that feels. I mean, it probably feels exactly the same how I feel some days with the other side of it, which is wild. And we won't get into that. But at one point in my life, I mean, my friend, um, the professional poker player now, but he was quite a rich kid at school because he was like playing poker since he was like 13 
So when we would go down to, to get breakfast, I couldn't afford it. And he'd buy me like 20 peas worth of toast and I couldn't afford it. Mm. Nice. Which is wild. So then when you get money. I didn't know my family were poor, but they were fucking, yeah. you know, we were, we were not in a good place. So how did that impact your relationship with money when you finally got it? Um, were you a splurger? Did, did you, you know? at, po- at points, yes, yeah. on certain stuff I would, but not. I'm more of a worrier than I was a splurger. I, w- yeah. I was like, because of where I lived and where I was from, oh, I knew okay. it could disappear. So I was always really cautious about protecting what I have and only spending what I earn. That's money and happiness. Talk to me about the link. A lot of people... There isn't one. Yeah. So, it's a myth. So... I think money... I think the way to think about money... And I mean, there's a beautiful thing I had as a kid. And, and when we used to go to church, the woman got a five pound note out and she said... Uh, have you ever read a five pound note? And I was like, no, I haven't. I was like, five, like, no. And she's like, uh, if you read it, it says, I promise to pay the bearer of this note five pounds. So money is promises, which I thought was great. But if you develop on that and conversations I've had with people, money is, is care and the ability to relax on certain things. Life's going to kick you in that mm. nut sometimes and you're going to need something to help those around you. So it's never for, so much been for me about spending money on me. And sometimes I have to remind myself to shop because I'm terrible. And I'm the, one of those people who like will go on a shop, fill a basket and then just not do the rest of it. I leave it there. And I'm like, oh yeah, I feel like I bought something now. That's good. At least <laughs> I did something fun with what I'm working my ass off for. But I'm not like that. So it's like in terms of with things with my family and different things that have happened, like my dad's debt for all those sorts of different reasons, I'd rather have it on hand. And if something, God forbid, happens to any of us, you know, my family are the last people to ever ask me for anything. And I'm the first one to go, this is why we do what we do, you know? You have a son, Bear, mm-hmm. beautiful child. <laughs> um, he tells you that he's going to apply for X Factor someday. This is a tricky one. This is a tricky one. I think his mom's hoping he's going to become some like yoga person. <laughs> his mom's very chill these days. He, um, says, he says, I'm getting Instagram and I'm going to go do X Factor. <sighs> what do you say to him? I mean, he's got the best advice from the parents around him for the long run, I guess. But I don't know. I, I think is that a one obviously we f- protected his identity to start off with. And that's not being pretentious or anything other than the fact that I want to give him a chance to be bare first before he has to be, oh, your mom and dad are so-and-so, you know? And I made my choice to be where I was at 14, 15. So I figure he can make his own choice then too. We'll have a good discussion about it, a long discussion, because I know what effects that can have as well. Um, but... I would never stop him doing something he wanted to do. I'd let him know the risks and I'd tell him what was going to happen, you know, and, and, and better that than, you know, my parents didn't really ever experience any of the things I've experienced before I got there. They had no idea what I was signing up for. Would they change it? Probably not, but they would change some things that happened in between across the way. I bet a hundred percent. So he says he's going to do the show. You give him the disclaimer and the warning. Um, What would you rather he did? If you could, as a dad, you could be that authoritarian and say, oh if God. you could choose, would it be to walk in your footsteps? Something that he enjoys, do, enjoys doing every day. And I mean, that's, I say that lightly because I think everything that you do, depending on what kind of person you are, becomes annoying at a point. It doesn't matter what job you do. It's like, oh, I really got to do that again. You know, like my dad, I used to think my dad's job was the best job ever. Like building airplanes, like adult Lego, like I said. Whereas my dad's like, do not end up in that bloody factory. That's the last thing you're going to do. Mm. Um, would you want him to follow in your footsteps, though? Uh, no, I don't hope he did it better than I did. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. I think um, sometimes you can get lost in the connection part of this game, and I think that's always been a difficult thing for me to connect with people because I put so many barriers up before you get to actually what's going on mm. that you, you know, 
It's almost like hurdling them in a way. Why do you think those barriers are up? Protection. I think it's protecting people from what's, you know, if you turn up in a disguise every time, then you can always blame it on the disguise. The moment you're not wearing one, you've got nothing to blame it on. And what, what is it that your, your manager over there, Stephen, would know about you that you probably most... I know, I know, in terms of like... <laughs> that ain't a box we want to open the, on this. In terms of like, what you know, what, someone who knows you very well would um, say about you that we wouldn't expect just from what we see online. You talk, because you talk a lot about this wearing this mask and, you know, being, you're wearing a disguise, even in your relationships. Mm. I'm really trying to understand because we've been, hey, we've been here maybe now for two hours, whatever. And as time goes on and on and on, you get to know someone a bit better, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like my barrier goes down a bit, yours goes down a bit, we get more comfortable. And I'm like, who is that person behind there that people don't know? Because I don't know. I, I mean, I think in certain part for me, having to translate it through music mm. is difficult. And I am opinionated to an extent. Sometimes they can get me in trouble with some shit and I hate that. That really does annoy me because it's like, everyone's entitled to, so they want to say about something, right? You can disagree on, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I think for me, I hide behind humor a lot. I make everything I can funny. And then that will leave it to not be as... Offensive. Mm. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I really want to, I really want to get, get an idea of when you, you look towards the future professionally, mm. what are the, what, what is the positioning that Liam Payne is is hoping for. You, I guess, you know, from what you've described for Bear, you just want to be doing things you enjoy. Yeah, I think so. Control. And I think that's, you know, there's been, there's been a slow road up to that point and it's just doing things for the right reasons. I mean, we're in a beautiful age right now. You are your own press, which is actually great for artists if we learn to do it the right way. This whole thing I used to hate was going on and off talk shows, going on and off and doing this, doing everything else that seemed to be for everybody else. And it was promoing your record, but then the record bites and you get nothing out of it. And it's like, everybody else got their five minutes, but the record just didn't do what it wanted. So it's like, you know, I want to experiment with the way I promo my records to make sure that the record is taken before I go and halfway around the world going, oh, look, listen to this great song. Mm. And then no one hears it. Oh, Mm. great. That worked well. You know what I mean? But it's like almost, you know, I think the music industry and, and listen up people, I think the music industry is in a place where people need to throw out the old, the old, you know, marketing format for these things. And it's almost like when you see companies that try and do TikToks, don't do it like that because we can see right through what you're doing. You've made a TikTok and <laughs> we're supposed to laugh, but it's not funny. And it's the same for the music industry. It's like, there's a new way that people are promoing things now. You know, Billie Eilish came from a bedroom and did this and da, 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 and it worked out really well, but it wasn't the same format that you used back in 2010. Mm-hmm. Even on, I mean, the, the way the industry's changed while I've been in it has been wild. And I've only been here, I've been here a decade, just over a decade now. But it's, it's insane. But I just think record labels and, uh, uh, and sometimes people spend budget on stuff that they don't need to do. You have your format, you have your fan base, grow it organically, properly, not, not through, you know, I don't know, the, the way we're doing things at the moment. Because sometimes it's just like, I don't know why the hell we're doing this. Social media. Mm. your relationship with it. Mm-hmm. That's been my industry for the last decade. Um, good thing, bad thing. What's your relationship with it at the moment? I think it's good. I think it's a difficult thing to manage. I love the idea of what TikTok does, but for me, I don't want to get sucked into my phone with like watching stuff constantly. And you do, and you need to be on your on your like learning stuff. And, and you know, it's the odd funny video, whatever else. But if your For You page is just like, funny dogs and yeah it's fucking then you're in a what the hell's going on you know that's what that's what it does to me i'm like god really so i i don't know it's um 
I've seen a lot of different technology come in and go out of my industry from the time from Twitter. And I, you know, I honestly think there's a strong case for saying that we owe a little bit of our success to the way Twitter was because worldwide trends weren't a thing before One Direction, before One Direction were an X Factor. Whereas on that night, we could trend everywhere. And then people would go, oh my God, what's this? So, you know, magically, oh, the biggest band on X Factor was the same time Twitter came out. Doesn't It's perfect storm stuff, you know? Mm. Um, so I think it's great. I think we have a funny way, like I say, with the coins uh, that, you know, the markets just had the most weird few months of people making Hogcoin, Hogcoin Plus, Hogcoin Extra, Hogcoin this, and there's 90 of them. And I'm hearing all of my friends going, oh, did you buy Doggy, Doggy <laughs> Doodoo's 21? No, 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 I bought Star, Star oh, Porn. God, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, what the hell are we, do- we doing? Mm. We're talking in code, mm. you know? And it's like, the, but rather than the, the technology that works, Ripple, mm. Ethereum, mm. you know, things that have real world application rather than coins that are, Hey everyone, I made a coin that's about, you know, tripods for cameras. This tends to happen at the, I think at the start <laughs> of these like exponential bubbles, mm. you get this. And then like, it weeds out the crap. Weeds out the crap. And that it feels like what's zero. happened recently yeah. to me. Like the markets took a big dip because yeah. they're trying to weed out some of the, the mm. stupid stuff. And because it's an unregulated thing, it's like, but I find that that's with the same with social media. We need to weed out the, the bad stuff and focus on the good. A lot of, there's a lot of debate at the moment because of the racism that some footballers Footballers have experienced. Marcus Rashford did a big post the other day that, uh, you know, how do we how do we stop people putting monkey emojis or any kinds of like abuse on, you know, because what happened? What I think is happening from a psych- psychological standpoint is they see Liam Payne, they think he is up there on that mountain. That is not a human being. If I throw a rock and I hit, I might get a little bit of attention from him. So they mm. they pick up a rock. But that's and they what I was saying to you at the start about bringing people up to your level in a yeah. way. But it's not so much for them that they can, they can get away from 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 not saying something about that. You know what I mean? I yeah. feel they have to speak up about it, and it's difficult. And we are going through a really fast moving era with everything at the moment. I mean, you wish there was an algorithm that would just beat that right, but they will find some way of spelling it differently, and it'll just you know verify. I think they verify everybody's idea. I think that would kill ninety nine percent of it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I actually thought of a thing for this. Is, for voting because voting for me was always a really difficult thing mm-hmm. we all have our iphones we have our thumbprint that goes on why can't we verify via thumbprint to get accounts God. and then that's on your record 100%. there was that great black mirror episode where that woman's going through life trying to get these likes and she's like desperate you've mm-hmm. seen that yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, please, I need to be in this neighborhood. But then, oh no, I was a five star this morning. Yeah, you're just like, oh my God. I mean, you know, that, you did horrible crap on the way, darling. I'm sorry. But that's what life will eventually be policed by, I imagine, in a way. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Black Mirror, um, I guess this is a strange tangent, but um, I, I, when I had Johan Hari on the podcast last week, one of the key themes here is that all this technology and social media has like, taken the meaning out of our lives because like dating now happens on these screens people order their food by like tap 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 and it shows up at the door um even now with covid um we're now working from screens we we used to have an office or you know offices we could go to now it's all screens and it feels like the world is getting more and more i mean what's amazing is we we were also worried about technology pushing us away from each other when covid hit right yeah but it was the only thing that saved us thank god in yeah. the co- when covid did hit which I thought said a lot more about technology's good sides than it did about the bad sides. I mean, it's up to you how you use your platform in the end and what you let it do to you. Like I say, I enjoy TikTok, but I watch a few videos and I watch things that people send me. I don't really have a for you page. I don't really go through it constantly sure. because there's, you know, I mean, it's difficult with kids and screens, man. Like I, I have one and I, I watch him and I'm like, oh, I really want to like, you know, we go, I make him go out and do stuff. And sometimes we fall out big. We have a row about Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. Sometimes it's not good. 
Um, but he's learning with it, you know, and it's, it's <laughs> like you say, for all of us, we are the guinea pig generation for these things. We're learning, you know, we're the first... Uh, yeah, with the part of the generation. civilization to be affected by an algorithm and to be connected. You know, from are, Earth. what about the people who first experienced hay fever? They yeah. figured out their way around that. You know what I mean? It's like it, for me, it seems like we will figure out the right things of it, but it's weeding out the bad sides of it and what it does. Like I, I think if your TikTok screen is advice and videos about learning stuff or like stuff that you're actually really interested in, you enjoy, not just random funny crap, because that's mm. what you've been framed was, right? You want to find yourself watching you've been framed all day, really? Because that's what you're doing. Or even worse, on Instagram, keeping up with the Kardashians. Oh, look, she's amazing. She's 10 out of 10. Oh, and she's rich. Oh, her life's perfect. And look at my life sat here in my boxy shorts here, this pot noodle with my cellulite. Yeah, but that's such an illusion because <laughs> I, I bet you... Of course it's, it's an, such illusion, an illusion. But it's, it's an illusion I, designed to destroy your self-esteem, isn't it? And it's like... Yeah. But I also think there's... I think there's a fine line between these 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 things and and accepting and accepting everybody and all this stuff is is a given. But I don't think that in the process of that, we want to lose the thing to settle for ourselves. You know, I, there was a big debate about me on, on, on Loose Women at one point, which uh, I was all right with it. It was okay. I understood what they were saying, but I worked really hard for, for what I did in my underwear commercial, you know, and it was my, it, it did overtake my life in certain respects. Yeah, for sure it did. But it was actually an aim of mine. It's one of the only things I've ever aimed for was to try and do an underwear commercial. So I remember I went to my meeting with the company I was working with and they were like, no, 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 we don't want to do that with you. And I was like, no, trust me. Just trust me. And they gave, they, to be fair, they put the trust in me. I went and trained my ass off and I got myself where I wanted to be. But then it was like people worrying about people's self-esteem, looking at the picture and whatever else. I get that. But I quite enjoy the idea of looking at someone and being like, wow, he's, that's cool, man. Like I, I'm going to go out and get that. Why did you want an underwear commercial? I just thought I could do it. I thought I could, and I wanted to challenge myself in the gym to, it was, you know, it's, it's hard to be strictly about look in the gym. Sure. And not function, which that was the bit I battled with myself a little bit. But it's like, yeah, I, I think, you know, you want to go out and get it, go out and get it. It's, it's, it. But I don't think we should, like I say, in accepting everybody, let's not lose the idea of striving for something as well, though, because it's all right to say, yeah, I'm I'm perfect. It was an advert I saw somewhere the other day, and I thought, are we really that narcissistic that we have to call all ourselves perfect for everyone to be okay with each other? Like, and like, I might get in trouble for saying some of this stuff, but it's just, like, my thought is, like, I want to teach the next generation to strive for things as much as I want them to feel confident in themselves. But it's like, it's almost like being a parent, right? You're going to mess them up somehow. Like mm. if we start saying we're perfect, I guarantee next we'll be like, well, that's not worked out well. So let's rewrite the plan on that exactly. one. You know? Yeah. And it's, I just think everyone just, you know, give each other a break and just go for, do what you like. Have you, have you figured, because it's taken me some time um, to try and understand what it is that actually makes me happy. Yeah. I used to, once upon a time when I was mm, broke. This is a big one. Yeah. I used to, I, mean, I was going to end on this big question, but I used to think it was like, oh, I'll get a Lamborghini and then I'll be happy. <laughs> and like, that's why my book is called Happy Sexy Millionaire. Cause I, I thought that I wrote in the first page of my diary at 18, I wrote Range Rover, bear in mind, I didn't have a driving lesson and I was stealing Chicago <laughs> town pizzas at the time. Um, Range Rover Sport will be my first car. I'll make a million before I'm 25. I'll get a really hot girlfriend and I'll work on my body image. What I meant is I'll get a six pack. I just didn't want to write that. And I thought that is the goal of life. I get those things. Range Rover was my first car. I made a million before I was five. And I'm like, where is the confetti? And if that's not it, then what the fuck is life oh, about? I mean, what happens when you wake up and every day is a dream? Uh, I mean, I That'll don't mess know. you up. I often have looked for the moment in life where I bang my head and I might be in some sort of comorous dream that I've invented for myself. Like I was that messed up at some point. I was like, I'm sure this is a simulation, guys. Like, I must have made this wall because yeah. I can't be here because of where I was yesterday. Yeah. So it was, you know, there's those wild things that if you let them creep in, they will F you up bad. 
someone said something to me quite interesting the other day. Our view of what we hunt for as humans has changed. We don't hunt for food anymore. We hunt for success. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the target went from animals and corn and food mm. to friggin' Lamborghinis and, and that sort of stuff. But that's what we strive for now. Like even to the point, like you were saying earlier about your, you're so glad Huel's here because that supplements your food sometimes. You're that driven by your drive that you forget you're going to eat sometimes. And I was the same at work. Oh my God, I'm terrible. Like I'm known for skipping lunch breaks and working through the day to get home quicker because I can go without, I'll just muster on through. But think about that. You've gone Crazy. past your basic survival instinct to- You're wild, right? against your health for like- Yeah. Like coins. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for, I might miss this thing. That's yeah, going, yeah. That, that, that I'm exactly the yeah. same. It's something I think that, that we struggle with in, in, in this respect. And it's like- Priorities. I don't know anything about what makes me happy at this point. I really don't. Really? No, I really, I really, I've, I, I've found a couple of things that I think I'm interested in. But like, the thing is, once you start making money on these scales and things that happen, it only becomes the drive that's interesting to you if it's going to f- f- fast forward you somehow. And that's not that toxic thing that we, funny enough, we've come full circle, but that's, it's the same sort of thing. And I think, I think it's a big problem for me because if it's not, I'm thinking, why am I? And that's why drawing for me was the biggest one at the, the time. Because I was like, this is what children do. Mm. Why should I do this? And then funny that I drew something that was about being a child. Was that, that It's weird how things go full circle in that, in that respect. But yeah, it's, I, I often struggle to get on with something if I don't think it's forwarding me in life somehow, rather than just enjoying the moment or going out and watching the sunset. One of my, one of my biggest things that made me happy while I was training was 4 a.m., getting up in the dark. And this sounds like I am some sort of psychopath. And I was. But you're like go into the park, run for a little bit and then stand on the thing and watch the sunrise it was the best thing. And you know why? It's fucking free. You can stand and watch the sunrise and go, wow, thanks for another day sort of thing. I know that sounds really woo-saw and like really mm. far out spiritual, but I didn't, it, for me, it wasn't like that. I just enjoyed seeing how beautiful this moment was. And I was the only person in Hyde Park running at 4am every single day. And it was the, some of the best time I've had in life. They've done studies kind of linking to what you're saying there, where if they give someone a game... And I wrote about this a little bit in my book. If they give someone a game that they enjoy, people will do it, blah, blah, blah. And they'll have high motivation to do it. If you then pay the same person to do the same game, their motivation will decrease. Now I have a big problem with this. So you can love doing something. And then the minute you, the reward starts to become extrinsic, which is external, which is money, your motivation decreases. And this is why... It's, it's very, very important. Even for me with this podcast, I started it because I love doing it, love meeting people. When it starts becoming a com- commercial thing, it moves into being a job. And then the science says my motivation will decrease. So it's interesting there because you talked about your drawing. You started drawing because it was a, and then it becomes this and it becomes an NFT mm. and then it becomes a business. And then, and you then fucking, it gets hard to do. And then you're like, oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm here again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, you said you, you've not figured out what makes you happy. Definitely not yet, no. Ask me in a few years. <laughs> and I, I, I think... <laughs> I mean, so what have, what's my conclusive point been for what makes me happy? Professionally, it's super clear for me now. Having a, and these are keywords, so a worthwhile cha- um, challenge that I'm doing with people that I love. And I've, I, love I, I've come, I've love come up with that based on a ton of things. Some of the things that you've said fit perfectly into it. When you look at Tyson Fury when he's not in the gym, depressed. When you look at goal, um, Olympians, whether they win or lose at the Olympics they get depression because they've reached the mountaintop and there's nothing else to strive for. Mm. And so when I was going through my notes, I was thinking the day that someone offered me 50 odd million to buy my business was one of the worst days of my life. And Gary Vaynerchuk, I know you're doing some stuff Mm. with him. He says the same thing. When when I spoke to him on the podcast, he was like, the day when I buy the New York Jets will be the worst day of my life. He was like, I hope it happens on my deathbed. 
because not having something to strive for and this has been a big struggle of mine for men. You lose years. orientation, yeah. right? When you're training for the Olympics, we're going this way, this is our purpose in life. When the Olympics is over, you ain't got no fucking direction. You're like- Well, I mean, look at this. I'm talking about direction. My That whole thing for me and that mountain for me was 1D. Mm. And music after that, like I said, you're never gonna keep up with what we did. Mm. Like we sold so many records and we did so, we broke so many records, we did so many things, you know, I mean, we were in stadiums every day, 94,000 people every day. Like I was in like, I used to break into Wembley Stadium on the nighttime because it was fun and I was smashed. And I thought these people aren't going to recognize me. Used to, I've broken into every major stadium in America, honestly. And the people used to chase us on these like police, like little squad bikes being like, hey, sir, you're not supposed to be in here. And we'd run because it was like a game of tag. And I swear to God. There was this one time we, we opened up a door and found a Zamboni, you know, the thing that squashes yeah, the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we accidentally emptied the, like two ton of water on the floor. And like I don't know, accident. I might have to pay for that now. <laughs> um, yeah, so once you reach that height, I suppose one of the reasons I struggled the most out of it is because you're never really going to reach that height again. And then it's almost like a uh, uh, limbo. Mm. And also not knowing whether or not we're going to come back. Are we going to come back? Everyone's asking. Oh, da, da, da. And it feels like pressure to come back. It's almost like your your parents going, when's baby two coming? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, now we've got to have yeah, another yeah, one. Yeah. So that's that's wild to me and 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 having to deal with that at a young age and it was i was always going to mess it up somewhere is what i would say about myself because mm. that's like he says the worst day ever you know the day the band ended i was like thank lord for that and i know a lot of people are gonna be mad at me for saying yeah. that but i needed to stop or it would kill me um and i was like thank the lord and then after that trying to like funnel your way back into society be like hey guys i'm still here turning up at tesco's in a lamborghini like an <laughs> idiot you know, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And 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 for a lot of that, it, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that 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 statement. It's you need to have something to strive for, and I feel like I'm finding that a little bit more now and learning to relax. Yeah, you've talked a lot about this. Learning to relax, learning to just be, you know, a lot of people go be part of the moment, man, be in the moment, and like I'm like, this is bullshit, but it's true. If you can just sit, you know, and enjoy something for what it is for five minutes. Have you tried meditation? My ex, uh, Cheryl, is very big on meditation. Um, she sent me one the other day and I got told off for not doing it again. Meditation gets me in trouble these days. Um, no, I need to, I, 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 I did a couple of things in meditation with my old personal trainer that were quite good, but I just, my mind's so fucking busy. I can't shut it up. Like the moment I'm trying to not think about something, I'm like, oh yeah, but what about if we just did this next week? And <laughs> I know you'll be exactly the same. That's why I'm saying. I'm like trying so fucking hard with this meditation thing. <laughs> Let's do it together. I'm We're showing going up journey. every morning and I'm like, Steve, close the tabs. And every morning I'm sat there I my, love that on expression. the fucking floor of my shower because it's like, it's like, it looks like it's from Thailand and the water's pouring and I'm like, just don't think about anything. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm planning all my schedule in my head. I'm like, Liam's coming for the podcast and I'm, what, what shall I speak to him about? And then, you know, Which I just- Which one were you doing? The two senses thing where you like think of like what you can hear and what you can smell? I've tried all of them. I've tried this one with beads where you like hold the beads and you just oh, move yeah, the beads through like your hand. Oh yeah, like the simulation. Like, in yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like the two senses ones, not bad. It's good in the shower as well. If you like close your eyes, then pick two senses which you can choose like feel. Oh, interesting. Noise. I've not tried that. So your mind can only do two senses at once. Mm. So once you shut some of them off, that's technically meditation because you're mm. in the moment. Mm. But I still don't feel like I've had that. You know, I'm not a monk at this point. I wish I was. I think it's important though. I, do, I get it. I do understand it. But I also think... Imagine if you could get your mind just to be in the present moment fully and just be If right I could have done here. that at school, I'd have, been, I'd have been top of the class. But my mind's going, oh yeah, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. Lunchtime, it's like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give up. So I'm going to keep trying. Every morning naked on, the, on my, my bathroom floor. Now that's what I want to think about. I'm going to keep doing it. 
Um, <laughs> worthwhile challenge with people you love. Mm. So worthwhile, you define it yourself, right? Challenge means it can't be easy because then your motiva- motivation won't be high. And then surrounded by people you love. For me, that is where I've figured out my happiness lives. Mm. And so upon leaving my company that I'd founded for 10 years, now I'm like learning to DJ, doing a big theatrical play at the Albert Hall, which we've directed and produced. I'm just trying, I'm throwing my hand at everything, biotech. No, I'm the same. You know? And, and that's what I was thinking with you, from what you were saying. You're like, you're never going to top that mountain. So where's, what is the mountain? I mean, we've done so many random, you know, the trip to Namibia with Ant was one of the things and we jumped. We did <laughs> a saw. world first of a canyon swing in Namibia, mm. which was really crazy and wild. And I thought I might die on national television, but that is okay. Um, what else did we do? Uh, doing this NFT thing's really interesting. Um, doing the online shows because we were one of the first people to really like pioneer with the company the thing through that and I you know my team were massive massive behind that Um, but it was almost like making a TV show every week with new songs and songs that I hadn't sang since whatever songs I'd never heard before and I just would turn up and do it and it really 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 well and I loved that Um, I don't know I've had I think I've had many 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 jobs I've got like a laundry list to the point where when the census came I didn't know what the hell to write I didn't want to write performer because I think it just sounds like such a bodge off job of like Mm. It doesn't, it, it doesn't encapsulate anything mm. that I actually do. I mean, we design clothes for Hugo, underwear modeling, da, 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 loads of stuff. So um, do you think maybe you just need a really big, fucking scary, terrifying goal that you really care about? Well, I mean, someone did ask me to go and do Everest at one point, And I was like, I don't know. I might die on that one. But does that not make you a little bit like, right, now we've got something to aim for, get in the gym. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I'm already, there's something I'm cooking up in my brain. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk sure. about it here. No worries. It doesn't come off, but I'm cooking something up at the moment that's very gym orientated and I'm definitely going to give it a big, big go. Something's pissed me off. Um, Interesting. <laughs> um, and I thought I just had to do it. Um, if you do I, think, I think the one thing I'll say, what, the one thing I'll say about success and, and about these things, if I'm honest about happiness, I think it's learning to have respect for yourself. I mean, there's a lot of things people say about, don't base yourself on others and never look at other people in that way, which I actually think you need to throw out the window because there's, when I was like, it's almost weird. I learned it from my character design. When I was designing characters, I didn't start from nowhere. And how I learned to design characters was like, how do you make a dragon if you've never seen one? How do you know what a dragon is? Anyone? So they mix it with a, with a, exactly, this is funny. So they mix it with a lion, mixed with a snake, mixed with a crocodile, mixed with a dinosaur because they're the ones that we have. So they base them off of stuff. So I like look at people who are my heroes and I think, what is it that I love about them that I don't think I possess yet? And then that's how you know you can respect yourself. And I think that's the most important thing for me is if I get up in the morning, I respect myself. I go to bed on nighttime, I respect myself. I'm happy. But certain things about my life, even this moment, I want to change. But it's like Christian Bale, for example. I love his acting go like go-to. And I mean, some things he's done in his career have been really unhealthy when he did The Machinist and stuff like that. But I like that drive and I like the fact that he like buries himself into a role and stuff. And I've never learned that quite yet. So that might be one of the things I want to steal. Exactly. It's almost, yeah, it's like taking people's mm-hmm. stuff, but you're molding it into your own character. We were talking today about avatars, which is obviously a huge market at the moment. People spend so much time on their avatars, on their games when they start something. But in life, you are your avatar. You can do whatever you want. And it's like, if you're making your avatar and you've got to go and do 10 free kicks to earn the next Ronaldo boots, you're like, oh, all right, I'll get in there and do them. The moment someone asks you to do something in life to earn something, you're like, oh, I don't want to do it. But it's like, that's why I was trying to think how we explain that to kids. But that's the most basic analogy I can come up with, you know? Mm. Children's book. Children's book. I had an idea for children's book, actually, but we didn't finish it. That's a lot of the root things. Look at my, he's smiling at me. 
Well, Liam, we've talked about so much today. Um, so much, so much inspiration. And, you, you know, <clears throat> a lot of the questions I ask are based I on- so. mm. I mean, It's an amazing, amazing conversation. And um, I really, really respect and appreciate your willingness to be open and honest about all these things I, because you're helping so many people. You don't even realize it. I, I, I do hope so. You know, and um, I think you're just a tremendously inspirational guy. You're, you know, an incredible entrepreneur, which I don't think people are fully um, appreciated yet because you're very, you're not, you've not sort of disclosed all of the investments and businesses you're involved in. But I think that's certainly coming. I think we might have a bit of a, uh, a European Ashton Kutcher on our hands, if I say so myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, mate. Honestly, you know, you've been through what is a unique, just tremendously unique experience over the last decade nobody can understand it other than probably the boys you did it with mm. and uh, from that you know there's ups there's downs but this is life right and um you sharing it has brought tremendous value for me so i know it will definitely bring huge value for our audience so i just want to say thank you no i think i mate, thank honest this has been one of the best chats i've had in a oh, long thank time you. It means and i'm excited to see what you bring to the table on Dragon's Den. I can't wait to watch it. Oh, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. Maybe you can come in with uh, some of your ideas. There. I know. I'll, I'll come and pitch something. I'll be <laughs> you, in imagine? There. you should be a Dragon <laughs> Monster. I was actually Maybe thinking. Maybe I'll come in disguise. <laughs> we'll do one week where I'll like ant and deck the shit out of you. And I'll just come on and be like, right, I've got this idea for swimming pools on roofs. Would you ever be a dragon? <laughs> um, oh, I think I'd be a terrible dragon. I don't know. I'd feel bad for people. And I'd want to be like, oh, no, just like, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll you. take it. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. Thank you. You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud, so you can access it from anywhere. And the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky, and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode.